In the journey to become a better person, it is critical to know what type of personality you are. Because each of us has our own unique pathology. There are seven personality traits and characteristics and emotional attributes that each person has. This is based on a 4,000 year old formula. And indeed, all of us have a dominant element of these personality traits. And they are love, discipline, compassion, determination, humility, bonding, and dignity. In this new seven-part series, Seven Weeks to a Better You, we are covering each week one of these seven. This is now part two of the series where we will discuss the attribute of discipline, of restraint. So ask yourself, is that the feature that most defines you? The disciplinarian, the one with discretion, that knows how to measure. The first attribute is more the free-flowing spirit of giving. It also requires restraint, However, that's not his dominant feature. This week, in the second part of Seven Weeks to a Better You, we will cover, cover the personality trait of Gevura, discipline, restraint. Please join me. This is the second part of a seven-week series, three, Seven Weeks to a Better You, Part 2, Gvura Discipline Restraint. This program is dedicated by Lawrence and Rhonda Opstfeld in honor of our children, Simcha Alexander Daniel and Moshe Hananya. So in week one, we covered... In part one, we covered love... The Hebrew word for it is chesed. And that's the free-flowing, giving personality feature that each person has. But for some, that's their dominant personality feature. This week, we will cover its, you can say, alter ego, which is gvura, discipline, restraint. And that is vital as well, because as we discussed, just a free-flowing giving without a gas, without breaks, can also be destructive. Think of a flood. Rain has to come down in raindrops in a measured way, in a regulated way. When you offer love, you also have to measure it to the one you're giving it. You don't want to overwhelm them. You don't want it to become a deluge. But then there's the other side of it. There are people who by nature happen to be more gvuradik, they're more disciplined types. I mean, in business terms, you'll find that there's sometimes the controller. There's the leader in a company who comes up with ideas, broad ideas, expansive ones, but then they cost money and there's other resources necessary. So you usually have another person who puts on the brakes and says, one second, 
Let's define it. Let's break it down into details. What's the budget? What can we do? This isn't meant to curb the enthusiasm or to throw cold water on a great passionate idea. It's meant to give it structure. And some people are really excellent at that. Now, all of us have that second characteristic. The question is the dominance. Some people are far more loving and giving type. And discipline is something they need to work on. And some people are more disciplined and restrained type. And they need to work on the giving part and the other components that define a healthy attribute called gvura, discipline, and restraint. But let's first analyze what this is, the healthy version, the unhealthy version. Because like everything, if you want to grow, you need to, have a, you need to juxtapose over like a healthy template where you stand without first defining what is the standard, what is the perfect type of discipline and restraint, you can't know, am I there? Am I close to there? Am I halfway there? So in any situation, let's define what is a healthy form of discipline and restraint and what is an unhealthy. It's always easier to begin with a dysfunctional or unhealthy version. It's just simply more glaring. What is an unhealthy version? Is a person who is over-disciplining. This is a person who sometimes parents are seen that way. Children who grew up in homes and say, my parents were, or my, one of my parents, or both my parents, were very disciplined disciplinarians. And that's all we have felt. I didn't feel love coming from them. I felt always rules, punishment, consequences. I'm talking, of course, an extreme that can be quite destructive. And that, and speaking specifically, a negative form of discipline. You can also see it with educators. Sometimes it's rooted in someone's anger. It's not necessarily coming from a holy and healthy place. It's someone's own anger, their own critique that they were either criticized, so they just naturally criticize. There are people, as soon as you speak to them, they'll always throw cold water. They'll always be negative about something. This is an unhealthy version of gvura, of discipline. Now, when I call it discipline, obviously discipline has a good... A good, a, a good connotation, it means something good, but we're talking about where it becomes an end in itself. People who like to punish others. People always get online when it comes to criticizing, when it comes to negating another person. These are the extreme forms of it. And it is, it could be a manifestation, as I said, of anger, of low self-esteem, of putting down others because it just makes you feel better. It can be a very ugly part of human personality. And there are, further, there are, of course, variations, more extreme, less extreme. The worst form of it are tyrants. Our people are literally tyrants who torture others physically, emotionally, psychologically. We find in history people who were that way. That were, uh, the, and the extreme form of brutality that they perpetrate on others, atrocities. This, of course, gets into a whole other category of literally genocide. This is all this misplaced, and worse than misplaced, distorted form of, of uh, gvura. Gvura also comes from the word severity. It can come from the word judgment. Judgmentalism is included in all of this. So you see, it's a pretty broad category. I use discipline and restraint because ultimately we're looking for the healthy version. But the unhealthy version goes into the judgmentalism, to the anger, to the critique, to the condescension discrimination would be included in all of this. When you talk to the other side, chesed, what would be love that's 
unbridled and undysfunctional love is just giving too much. Here it's the exact opposite. It's restraining too much. It's holding back and being extremely judgmental and extremely negative about any given situation. Now, sometimes it comes with good intentions. Person could, it could be good intentions, and it's, but it's misplaced. Sometimes it comes with not good intentions. Now, of course, everybody always justifies their own situation by saying it's good intentions, but you can pretty much distinguish. You know, the people that killed millions and millions of people, did they have good intentions? I'm not going to get into defending their intentions. But then there's also parents or others who thought it was the right thing to do. They think it was the right way is to discipline my child. But they're lacking the other attributes that are necessary to make it a healthy form of, of gvura. So let's now talk about the other extreme, the healthy form. The healthy form of gvura is a part of a picture. It's never an end in itself. It's part of a healthy approach to things. Just like when you're pouring water into cups. So obviously you have to measure that each cup should get it's what it needs. You're not going to feed a, a newborn child the same type of food you're going to feed an adult or a teenager or an adolescent. That's called gvur. You're measuring. You're regulating. I mentioned before the rain. Rain comes down in drops. A teacher, and educator gives, but they give in a way that's measured according to the recipient, tailored to each recipient. And the same thing with a parent. If there's discipline and you don't feel love within it, and you don't feel other elements which we will discuss, then there's something wrong. So what is a healthy form of gvura and a necessary, not just healthy, necessary, is that things be done with discretion. So love comes first because first you have something to give. But then how you give and the way you give, that's where gvura comes into play. On the cosmic level, it's discussed that when the divine chose to create existence, so obviously creation is a flow of love. It's an expression of love. But in order to create an independent consciousness, you need to create space for that. And that's where gvura comes in. A certain type of restraint, limit, simsum, concealment. The same type of concealment that a teacher will not overwhelm a student that creates space. When you love someone, you need to also give them space. You can't just crowd them. You can't just suffocate them with your love, even with good intentions. Now, it's interesting, just to go back to the negative version, the negative gvura, the negative severities and judgments in the worst form all originate from a holy and healthy form of gvura. It just evolves. Because since it's necessary, in other words, it's necessary to conceal it before you reveal. It's necessary to regulate the flow. Now, if that's misunderstood, that can turn into an end in itself. And that's where Gvura takes on a whole new shape and form that becomes an unhealthy, dysfunctional, and even destructive force. So just as we spoke about water, water being more symbolic of love, so water can be also destructive if it's not regulated. Fire is the symbol of gvura and severity. Fire too is necessary. Fire warms us. Fire um, also illuminates. However, if fire is unbridled, what happens? It's destructive as well. So fire needs to be also directed. Basically, discipline needs to be disciplined, to put it in other terms. So now let's go through the details that one should ask themselves 
when you're dealing with this attribute. And here I want to break it into two parts, as I alluded to earlier. Firstly, everyone has this attribute of gvura, of discipline, restraint. And now we're going to discuss how you should refine it, how to hone it, how to harness it, how to direct it, make sure it's healthy, ask the right questions. And then there are people who actually their personality is more gvuradic. So this second part of the seven-part series called Seven Weeks to a Better You is also focusing on the personality type. So it's referring to everybody because all of us need the second element called gvura. And some of us, actually, that is our dominant feature. So there, of course, the focus is even stronger. So whatever I'm going to say applies to both elements here. So let's talk about it. So as we discussed, and I'll repeat again, the seven emotions, the spectrum of the seven characteristics or personality elements that each human being must have, each include all seven within the seven. Seven times seven, hence 49. So within Gvura, within discipline restraint, there is love, chesed within Gvura, the love within discipline. There's the discipline within discipline. There's the compassion within discipline. There's the yielding or the humility within discipline. I'm sorry, the determination and drive within discipline. There's the yielding and the humility within discipline. There's the bonding. And finally, there's the dignity. Literally, as we discussed it in the first part about love, we're now discussing it in the second part about discipline. And that's the word I'm using. It could use restraint. You can use other terms. But you get the idea. So let's begin. The love within discipline. If there's no love within discipline, discipline can very quickly go off track to the worst possible place. What is love within discipline? Asking yourself one question. When I'm disciplining, is it coming from a loving place? Is it driven by love? Is its purpose to express love? If the answer is no, it's just a purpose is to discipline in order to discipline, you ask yourself why. Who, who, who appointed you to be the disciplinarian? So you'll say, well, my child misbehaved. My student did something wrong. This person at work needs to be reprimanded. Yeah, but why? Why? Why are you reprimanding them? Because you want them to be a better worker? You want to correct mistakes? So that's called, it's coming from a good place. Its purpose is to discipline in order to make something grow. So love is a critical component because that's the driving force. That's the purpose of it all. And you'll see people who are really very strong disciplinarians don't ask this question. As I said, it's easy for them to, to, to become actually very angry and very punishing types. And even if they have good intentions, it's not going to come across that way to the recipient. Because imagine how productive can it be? Even if someone did something wrong, a child, a student, an employee, or someone else you feel you need to uh, rebuke or reprimand or punish, what effect does it have when discipline doesn't have an element of love? Demoralizing, humiliating, crushing another person's spirit. Is that the intention? Now, there are people who are angry people and, and do want to do that. They may not declare that that's their intention, but it clearly is what happening, what's happening. So love and discipline is critical to make sure that you understand what the whole purpose of it is in the first place. And if it's not there, you have to ask yourself, why you, who put you, who appointed you to be the disciplinarian? And even if you were appointed 
Are you being productive? So imagine the difference when you tell your child and something really happened, your child did something really wrong and deserves discipline, but the child feels the love coming, exuding from you and even feels your pain that you need to now do discipline. Imagine what kind of impact that will have when the child, or if the child, the recipient here of the discipline only hears the, neg- the negative. Now, nobody likes discipline, let's be honest, but it can be presented in many different ways and it can be presented in a very loving way. Then there's the second component, discipline within discipline. So the first most simple interpretation of that is to analyze your discipline. Each week has the love within love, the discipline within discipline, the compassion within compassion, just to analyze it, which is what we're doing right now. But there's another meaning, the discipline in your discipline, to make sure that your discipline is also disciplined. I remember once seeing someone doing exactly that. They were very strong in the rules and the guidelines and making sure everybody follows them and there were consequences, expectations, assuming it's all with good intention. But I saw that the person who was in charge was doing it without discretion. It was just a discipline for discipline. So I asked the person, I said, do, is it one size fits all? There are many people that are working under you. Yeah, we have the rules. I say, yeah, but people are different. And if you're really using discretion and discipline, why don't you discipline your discipline? So it's an interesting point. I remember the fellow looked at me and said that. <laughs> he smiled. Thank God he took it the right way. So discipline also needs discipline. If you're really going to be a disciplinarian, look at yourself as well. Is it too much? Is it too little for that matter? Is it being done right? Number three, the compassion within discipline. Love and giving chesed is about the giving flow. Compassion is more of an empathy. It's a feeling of recognizing and respecting another and being compassionate to them. So even if someone has the chesed within discipline, there's the love, but is it also coming with compassion? That when you do the discipline, you're doing it with a certain empathetic and a certain compassionate approach. And I know it sounds very similar that it looks like it's loving, but it's more than that. As we discussed, compassion means that even if a person is guilty, you give them the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes you'll overlook something. When it comes to love, love is a love, and sometimes love is necessary, sometimes you have to withhold it. Even when, you're dis- even when the discipline is within love, there's also the love may not be expressed, but compassion is another dimension to the experience, and it's even more important when it comes to discipline, that you're disciplining with compassion. So besides that, its intention is, is love, yet the discipline is also done with a certain sensitivity. Now, of course, when the discipline comes with a loving approach, it will be compassionate. But compassion necessary is, another, is, is another necessary component. An example would be, it would be, let's say, a court of law. They find someone guilty. And the judge who's meeting out the sentence will say, we will be compassionate with this person. This is more than just that the whole judgment is coming from a loving place because it's necessary in part of the process of keeping order in this world or between people. But here, the very punishment, the very, uh, the very sentence is also done in a compassionate way. It just refines even further the gvura to make sure that it's coming in that fashion.
So one is its objective, is love, and secondly, its method of being offered, its method of being um, implemented is with a compassionate spirit. Number four is the terminate, Netzach. Now, determination and ambition, as we know, has both sides as well. It's a driving force, but it's also critical to make sure that something is going to be followed up on. Like, for example, sometimes you say to somebody that, uh, here's, if you don't do so-and-so, this will be the consequences. But you never follow up. So following up, which is a certain determined approach, that there's a determination within the discipline, is critical. But only when you have the compassion and the love preceding it. Because this is not about just, we must punish, we must judge, we must be severe. That's not the point here. The point is that the, 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 the discipline should be consistent. Go back to the raindrops. You can't just have the rain come down in a few drops and then it, conti- then it continues like a flood. It's consistently being measured. And the same thing when the flow of love or the education, that you're consistently and in a, a persistent way, in a netzach way, bringing that discipline into the picture. So it's always there. Another aspect of it is that the term, determination and the ambition within discipline should be one that also makes sure that the discipline is properly disciplined. That's also part of the determination, to make sure that the gvura is done the right way. So this netzach is necessary because it gives something, a certain perpetual power. Next, number five, is hoit. We translated that as humility, yielding, flexibility. I think it's quite clear why important, how important that is. That's looking at the discipline and making sure that it is flexible, that it is consistent with the discretion within discretion, the discipline within discipline. But here, what Hoy does is brings the bitl picture into it. You are not here to be a judge of anyone. You are not here to exercise gvura. You are a humble person. And that humility dictates that I have to do something right now which also explains where some of us just are not disciplinarian types. And you can wonder, why would I be disciplining someone? You know, we, always, we avoid confrontation. We avoid having to deal with more difficult situations. Hoyt is saying, get yourself out of the way. If discipline is necessary, coming from a humble place, so then it's necessary. With all the right checks and balances and measures that we discussed. So humility has many aspects in making sure that the Discipline is done correctly. Does not, not coming from arrogance. There's the flexibility where you know you don't always follow the same guidelines. Sometimes you realize that you need to discipline differently or even overlook certain things. This is all part of the Hoyd aspect. Now you'll say, well, it, it, it overlaps with compassion, it overlaps with discipline. Yes, there's overlap, but the focus here is on the humility, flexibility, and yielding, yielding, which is a critical balancing force when it comes to anything that is severe or judgment or discipline or, or, uh, or uh, restraint. Number six, bonding. Bonding, you saw, is the most important aspect of building something. You're building a foundation. Discipline is not an end in itself, we already discussed. It has all the other components. But the goal of it is also bonding. 
when you love somebody and that love comes with discipline and discipline is, is not just a component that the love should be flowing properly. It's part of building a proper foundation. The relationship with another is giving them space and that space is part of building a strong foundation between the two of you. So foundations are not just, just built by connecting through love and intimacy. It's also by creating structure and by creating a, a, a disciplined structure. So discipline is part of the, of the building itself. And that also creates that eternity that Yisad has. That eternal component that you have an infrastructure, a structure here that will last. So at the end of the day, when we talk about inter- in introducing the concept of gvura, of restraint, of concealment, of measure, that's also part of building an enduring and lasting foundational as- aspect to any relationship. And finally, dignity, malchus. A discipline that does not have dignity is going to be destructive, period. Just as love requires dignity, but love, you can say, sounds more dignified than discipline, discipline also needs it, and sometimes even more emphasis. Because if some way you're compromising the dignity and honor of another person through your gvura, you have to ask yourself, where is it coming from? Now, again, this overlaps a bit with some of the others, but it has its own aspect. You, you question, you have to ask yourself, is the discipline that I am meeting out, that I am exercising, that I'm implementing, is it making that person a more dignified person? And if the answer is no, there's something wrong. So here we have the seven attributes within the discipline that any person who's a disciplinarian type of personality needs to look at closely. And all of us need in understanding our own discipline and restraint feature within us. So when you evaluate it properly and you analyze it and diagnose your gvura, you come away with a diagnosis, with a certain picture. And then the next step is, okay, now that you know what the picture looks like, where do I need to enhance? Where do I need to um, correct? Where do I need to modify? Where do I need to restrain? And you literally can go through each one of the seven steps within your gvura and discipline and figure out where you're stronger, where you're weaker, what needs to be harnessed. But you can't do that without first evaluation. First, you have to ask yourself that question. So make yourself in your journal. This is week two, part two, the week of gvura. And each, the journal, each, each, either, either that week should have seven pages or you can make seven sections, whatever works for you. And ask yourself all these questions, the love within discipline, the discipline within discipline, the compassion, the determination or endurance, the yielding humility, flexibility within, within discipline, the bonding, and finally the dignity within discipline. Ask yourself the questions and answer them. And rate yourself from one to 10. How strong is the love within your discipline? If it's zero, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. If it's four or five, work needs to be done as well. And when, you be able to, when you're able to break it down into details, that's when you start seeing the magic happen. Then you start seeing real results. Because it's not just general terms. You know, I'm a disciplined person. I'm a, I'm a disciplinarian, but I don't know what to do with it. Now you have specific details to ask yourself, to evaluate, and then to 
create the right interventions. And as always, it's great to have a mentor, an objective person that you can run it by to make sure that your blind spots are not getting in the way, your own prejudices and subjectivity, your own self-interest, to be able to become the best possible person you can be. Thank you so much. This has been part two, seven weeks to a better you, part two, Gvura, discipline, restraint. And please join me for part three, which will be compassion to Ferris. Simon Jacobson, MeaningfulLife.com, where you can find this and many other programs. Check it out, please. Love to hear your feedback, your thoughts, your comments, and any of your questions. And please share. Thank you so much. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.